as a black woman, especially when back then, you feel like I just have to be seen as competent. <laughs> like, and so there's so much nerves about how you're presenting yourself. Mm-hmm. When now I've come to the point, A, I'm I am more confident, but it's also like they don't care how I'm presenting myself. Like he mm-hmm. wants to know where are the trucks gonna be parked. Like, and right. like, where can I put a light? Like, where can I hide the gack? Like, and I wish going back that even when I was shadowing, I just asked questions like, what do the, what do they need out of the location scout? Cause mm-hmm. I would hear the director talk about like what the scene was and blah, blah, blah. And so that's just what I did. Like, I would be like, you know, we're doing this we're gonna have a walk through here. I'd love for this light to come on. But I didn't ever ask to know what does the crew need out of this tech scout like because right. i'm telling this grand vision i have when they again they might just be wondering like <laughs> how you know where do you where can i hide trucks let's shoot with pete chapman is a podcast on directing for anybody that's quite simply ever watched anything pete converses with a wide range of fellow directors writers actors showrunners producers executives and more on a journey to determine just what makes a good director and why we'll always need stories the director is pete chapman's digital studio built on the pillars of craftsmanship that ensure a unique vision i'm talking about story innovation perspective Learn more about the director, and better yet, get your official director's chair wear by visiting www.drctr.video. That's drctr.video. All right, all right. Welcome to episode 23 of Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman. I am your host. You guessed it, Pete Chapman. And this introduction is being recorded on March 30th, 2021. Uh, It's my last day on my two episode block of you. Uh, Day 20 of 20, it is, it's interesting. I've done a lot of half hour blocks of TV where basically you shoot two episodes at one time and you, uh, it's cross-boarded, so in any given day from, from scene to scene, you could be doing episode, you could be doing a scene from one episode, and then after you knock that scene out, you go to a scene from the other. So you're preparing, you know, in that case, maybe 40 pages of, uh, of direction at one time. And in this case, it's about 100 pages as the show was hour-long um, drama on Netflix. And so I was looking at my page count last night uh, on day 19 of 20, and I've directed about 94 pages so far. So it feels uh, in a a weird way, uh, maybe not so weird, like I've done a feature film, but I'm excited. Uh, It's episode seven and eight of season three. And I will obviously let y'all know when that drops so you can get your binge on and catch up with Joe Goldberg and his black hat. But today I am welcoming our guest, Zinga Stewart, to the show. She is a writer, a director, an executive producer, a producer, an all-around storyteller, uh, and amazing person. You may have seen some of her early work in music videos uh, for artists like Jay-Z, 50 Cent, Bilal, uh, particularly the, the video that really stood out to me that kind of first 
made me say, oh, who did this was the Soul Sister video for Bilal. Uh, black and white, super elegant, sexy, uh, just very poetic. Um, and it, it was one of those things that really caught your eye upon watching it. So check that out if you haven't. Um, great song, great video. Um, but since then, she went through the Disney ABC program uh, after doing two feature films. And obviously I'm not gonna step on all these stories, she'll tell you better, but uh, she's most recently NAACP nominated for uh, Little Fires Everywhere, for which she did two episodes. Um, she's got a new series coming soon, uh, shooting in Italy and New York called From Scratch with uh, Reese Witherspoon's company, Hello Sunshine and uh, starring Zoe Saldana, who I had the pleasure of working with. You probably see her over my head if you're watching this on video from my debut feature, Premium. And she's just got a great uh, sensibility, a great story, great passion for what she does. And uh, I think you'll enjoy what we talked about. So without further ado, episode 23, Zena Stewart, let's shoot with Pete Chapman. The interview. Take one. My first question for you is, uh, what scene are you most proud of directing and why? That is like asking what is my favorite breath I ever took. Um, <laughs> there is a scene in Scandal... I don't remember which episode it was, but there was a scene in Scandal with like in the White House living room with all of the major players. I think it was 10 people in the scene and it was a nine page scene. And I felt like, hey, there's just so much coverage you have to get with that many people in nine pages. Um, right. But I felt like that was a scene that really felt impactful and the tension kept building and the handoffs were beautiful. And it just, um, I liked how I approached the day. I broke the scene into three parts and just rehearsed each part as its own thing instead of nine pages at a time. I felt like that's mm. kind of rough on the actors. So let's just, we'll rehearse up to this point and then stop. And then when we have that, we'll rehearse just this middle point and then stop and then so on. And afterwards, all the actors came up and were like, that was so thoughtful of you because I was so scared. I wasn't going to remember it all. And, you know, and by like, once we got out of the masters, they did know the whole thing, but doing it that way just made them feel less pressure. So I felt like my approach to it, I was proud of and like what we did, what I was proud of. So, I, you know, there's things I've loved as a whole more, but I, I felt like right. I liked the way I handled that. Right. That's interesting. I wonder, uh, my question to that is, did you have support from the AD? Because sometimes, right, they just like, uh, hey, we're, we got seen 8, 12, 24, and 15. <laughs> 51 in the White House want to block shoot it? You know what I mean? Like, were, were they on board with that? Or did it, uh, or was it uh, you saying like, this I think is the best way to get this in the can for everyone's like creative excellence, you know? I think um, I'm really very respectful of the ADs and what they have to juggle and the pressure that they're getting from another side. But I also feel like I'm, 
I've grown to the point where I know I know what's the best way to accomplish it. So if I think block shooting really is it, I'll say, yeah, I, I don't want to be here all my life either. <laughs> so, but if I think that that's not like the scene is emotionally too weighty to then move into the next thing and jump back, or then I'll say, no, I do not want to do that. <laughs> and, right. you know, I know it's time-wise, maybe not the best, but but in the end of the day, it is because then the actors don't need so many takes or, and you get a beautiful scene. I think um, we have learned so much like, oh, they won't call you back if you don't make your day. And and that can be true. You do right. have to make your day, but they're, they definitely won't call you back if they don't like your work. And so right. making something that's good trumps the most efficient way to do it. And that's that should kind of guide you. But then making something that's good often means if you do block shoot something where it's simple to do that and easy to do that, now you have more time for the next scene and you can right. really ensure that it's good. Yeah, for every everybody listening, these are like the, every question reveals 10, ten more questions, right? Like <laughs> if you do that, well, am I going to jam myself on another scene? Or like, I, I can think of one time where I did, it was like the day one, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be transparent. It was day one on Greenleaf, which was like my mm -hmm. first one hour. And it was like the opening scene. And I was, uh, it was with uh, Keith David and Lynn Whitfield. So I'm a little bit like, oh, wow, you know? <laughs> and uh, it was written, he's on the couch. She comes down the stairs. He talks to him and then it's over, cold open. And he wanted to walk around the room and move around this table and come back into, um, uh, it was basically, he, he did like a round robin of the entire set. Oh no, <laughs> and, light and everything. Light everything, pieces here and there. And and my, call, my, my thought was, well, all right, I just met you. You're, you really like this idea and it's better, I can't front. I'm literally going to push everything to have half the time for the rest of the day. Do I wanna stand my ground for that when you don't even know me yet? Or do I gain some favor if I do this now and then later on be like, you know, I can't do that again. You know what I mean? And like, and that's the negotiation, right? That you're often faced with. Yeah, um, that's also a great way to think though, is that coming into it with an actor, I always like to give them a win early because mm -hmm. you do you are built building trust and establishing a new relationship with them if they think right off the bat this is someone willing to collaborate and work with me it's easier exactly what you said the next time they they want to try that like come on now like <laughs> we don't have time to do this and I, I i had a similar situation once with an actor who was really intransigent about it and but i was like there's, there was no one around. Like we were in Canada, there was no writer on set. There was no producing director. And it just was like, this girl wants to walk through three sets <laughs> and, and have me let, she was like, I would, I was like, it's written in just this one room. Right, <laughs> and, right, 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 right. And Looking I just, around for like, backup. <laughs> yeah, eventually they did have to call one of the producers down. Cause I was like, there's no way we can make our day if I have to light three rooms and cover people moving through three rooms and eventually they they were like well she really wants it we have to do it and I was like not on me <laughs> right and it but it was also the kind of thing that you you do get to say to yourself mm, I don't want to go back to that show 
like, yes, because, and like, you get to say that wasn't the same way they can say, we don't want so-and-so to come back. You can say Mm -hmm. to your team, like, yeah, if they call again, I don't think it's for me. Like, I don't, I don't like to work because it's things like that, where, you know, like a day player would have figured it out, whatever their impulse was. If you say it's in this room, they would figure it out. That's what you do. Yeah. And it's all, that's the journey though, as you do more work and you get more confident and comfortable that like people are calling, then yeah. you you get a little more like, yeah, I didn't really <laughs> like the style of shooting on that show, you know? Um, yeah. Although there are valuable skills that you learn with the most uh, challenging experiences. Yeah. Um, well, I love that one question and we got to like nine topics, but tell, <laughs> tell me like, I, I know of you from NYU uh, back in, you know, the day and we had some mutual friends. I don't know if we met while there, but uh, you were just known as a director to watch out for a director killing it in music videos, but like, where'd you grow up and like what led you to the world of music videos? I was born in Brooklyn and I was there until about nine. And then high school was Atlanta. And then moved back to New York for NYU. Um, and got into music videos. <laughs> I, while I was at NYU and had access to equipment, I wasn't in Tisch. I was in school for philosophy and black studies. But it, you still get the student discounts <laughs> on right. film. And, and uh, I started doing music videos for people who earned money through questionable means and uh and just pharmaceuticals <laughs> right <laughs> providing calm for people <laughs> and so and it was definitely now when people say oh you're so calm on set when things are falling apart it's like I started out being afraid I would be murdered if I didn't do a good job so if that's not on the table everything else there's nothing to really get that excited about. I guess. Right. So it right. does give you training and like being grounded inside yourself. But I put together my first reel through those um, pharmaceutically funded <laughs> music videos. And then I was also writing treatments for other directors. Okay. And a couple of the directors that I wrote treatments for forwarded my reel to a rep. Mm. And that's what started to really get me work. Now, what made you want to pick up the camera? Um, Was it you were getting such a foundation in in philosophy and and, and obviously you're you're living the Black experience, but then when you read about it and like, was it to control the image? You know, was it to uh, share a perspective that wasn't out there? Like what drove you to to even uh, do Um, that? Because it's a unique, you know, not everybody becomes a director. Yeah, I was a director before I chose my major. I wanted to go to Tisch initially, and I did my interview for my scholarship with a graduate student in Tisch and just was like, how do you like it, blah, blah, blah. And she basically said, honestly, you can learn a lot of this stuff, PAing and doing your own studies and like just doing it. Mm -hmm. And she was like, but this is the only time in your life a bunch of people will sit in a room and read the same books as you and you can talk about it and have discussions and get into it. Mm-hmm. So her advice, which was the best advice I've probably ever been given was get great internships in film 
but study what you want to talk about now because you're not going to have that time ever again. And I was like, I want to talk about philosophy and Pan-Africanism. Mm. <laughs> so switched and went into Gallatin and then that became my thing. But I was also, I mean, even, let me see if I can find it. There's, you won't still see this. There's these pictures. <laughs> my mom gave me one Christmas. Yeah. This was my first directing experience when I was 10. There you <laughs> like, go. Would just write these plays and make my brothers or my cousins be in these plays. And <laughs> like I was costume designer, director, writer, and just didn't even know that was a job. It just was mm -hmm. so fun to me to make stuff up and like make my whole family come watch this performance. Right. So it was always in me to do that. And it just was like, while I'm studying that, I, I will take this advice and sink into just other things that are interesting. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. I'm, it's because I I I was like tunnel vision on in with intent to be a director, but I took metropolitan studies at NYU just because I was like I, I need to I gotta fulfill the credits, you know. And it yeah. was about studying communities and part of what I had to do. Like I went to um, I had to go to uh, one of the Russian neighborhoods and. Uh, Jamaican neighborhoods and, and just research and go around and talk to people and get a sense of how that community had evolved. And it kind of oh, ended up, yeah, it was, it was super interesting. And then it tethered to my own inclination to tell stories about gentrifying areas and this might, and this kind of minor subject that I took fed back into the stories that I wanted to tell and kind of informed me. Uh, to have a little bit more, uh, you know, authority over the topic, and you can't you can't tell a story if you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Although I, I guess that's not a requirement, but it's <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it would be ideal. Um, so when you were music videos like, okay, here's an entryway for me, or was no. it okay? I loved music videos and really like when people that I was always up against started getting into features, I'd be like, yes, they're gone. <laughs> I can get that work. Um, I, I felt like you could be experimental. You could just create beauty for beauty's sake. Mm -hmm. I love musicians. I love being around them, working with them, talking to them. Um, and then a couple, I started changing, just getting older and like, oh, this artist doesn't want to come out of their set because it's raining for six hours, right. stops being fun. Right. <laughs> or, um, and just the music industry changed. Like when I got into it, there were like 30 labels. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was done with it, it was like three labels. The budgets were slashed. The, and it was just the, the nature of, LimeWire and Napster and like people could burn CDs. Like there was no money anymore in the music industry to just all out with $300,000 videos. Like, I don't even know how kids who do that now live. Like they must have a bunch of roommates. Like, I don't know right, how right. it's possible, but it just, it all started changing at a time when I was starting to mature and wanting to take that further, wanting to take what I learned about 
basically style and mm. creating a really beautiful image into a narrative format. And it right. just all, and then I learned what a lot of people learn. It's, it's very difficult to break into television, almost harder than features. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I thought long and hard about that because uh, I, I just like delivered a manuscript. I wrote a book about directing. Look at that. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the like the thing that I noticed was like, oh, wow, I could raise half a million dollars for my feature with more and, and this and ease if it has the biggest quotations around it, but with more ease than getting hired to do TV because one is selling you on me for me mm -hmm. and the other is selling you on me for you, Yeah. right? And, and so like there's every reason to think that in, a, in an industry kind of governed by fear and insecurity, there are so many reasons to just be like, I don't know or no. And that's what the toughest like hurdle is because if you don't have the like cosine of folks or you're not under the right armpit, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really tough. How did you transition into uh, TV? Um, I, I did not have those connections. And so it was like you said, like I was not under the right armpit <laughs> and it was really difficult. I um. I got into the fellowship program based on music videos. Mm -hmm. And then it got to, it was hard to even get to shadow because I would hear, well, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue. She doesn't shadow a lot of dialogue, which is important. And I, but I felt like, well, these are things that are simple to learn like coverage and what, what you need to tell the story in this format. But like style is so hard. Like you don't really learn that. Do you not want that? And it, and they're like, no, thank you. <laughs> right, right. So, As if you're really directing these actors anyway in the beginning. Like, they're exactly. like, like, come on. They're like, I've decided who I am and you're not going to get me to do anything but do it faster or slower. Yes. Um, and then I start, I wrote, I decided to start writing things. I wrote one thing, which we won't talk about. <laughs> and then I wrote another thing that I did get made on like a Lifetime movie. Mm -hmm. which then people started to like the, I would get to shadow and then people that I shadowed really liked the, that movie, that movie did really well for them. So they wanted another one in a similar vein. So I wrote and directed mm -hmm. another movie. And then just having done those two, I started to get work. Like it was mm -hmm. like, she can do two feature length things like, and, um, and then you know how it is. Like there's that one point where it's just off to the races. And like yeah. it, now it's, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry anymore. It's, you know what I mean? Was the writing something that you did strategically? You know, like, was it like, all right, I, I don't really fancy myself a writer, but eh, let me just get this content out there because uh, nobody's giving me a script. And if I write it for myself, then I can show that I can direct dialogue. Yes. I mean, there's yes and no. Yes for those two projects, for sure. Um, and then, but now that I feel like I can write, I'm not Aaron Sorkin, but <laughs> I can write. There's ideas that come to me that I love and then it's, more a passion project mm -hmm. 
Um, like you were saying in quarantine, you had to do something with yourself those first few. Right. I wrote a script with a friend um, who is Lindsay, the script supervisor in Grey's Anatomy. Very lovely, Lindsay. Cohen. Lovely, Lindsay. And we did it as like both of us were going crazy in the house. <laughs> and like right. we'd had this idea on set, like there was some incident on Grey's where we had this like a fumes or something. We all had to stop working for a couple hours till it aired out. Mm-hmm. And we just started spitballing this idea. And one of the producers was like, that sounds like a real movie, actually. <laughs> and so well, we never had time to talk to each other and really get into it until quarantine. Wrote it and love it so much. And literally a week after we sent it into my agent, it sold, which is like <laughs> very rare that that happens. Thank you. Right, right. right. Um, but but is the kind of thing that happens when you write just because you love it. Like, just right. like, oh, this will be fun to do. Right. The other thing too, that's great about that though, is like, like there's all these um, little byproduct skills that we gain uh, that we never yeah. know we're gaining. Like my first job out of college was um, at this place, Baseline Studio Systems. And they were, mm-hmm. the studios paid for that information before IMDB came out and was like, yo, free. And my job was to make phone calls every day to anything that got mentioned in the trades. Wow. So if it was like Tom Cruise was overheard at the Waverly Inn talking about Mission Impossible 12, (laughs) I got to call Cruise Wagner Productions and be like, yo, is that true? And that job that was, I was, you know, wasn't the biggest fan of it. But um, when I went to raise money for my film, I had no problem talking to anyone because yeah. I'm used to this every day for to the tune of about 50 phone calls a day. Wow. And when you write, you become, you gain that skill of like, when you're taking incoming material, cause you're doing all kinds of stuff. When you're at the helm with more of a, of a hand in it, you can identify, oh, it might not be the best script now, but the idea is there. And mm-hmm. I can, I think there's a, a perspective that we could take to enhance it. That's um, a delicate conversation to have a lot of times with showrunners. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The best ones really do want to know. Mm-hmm. And and if you flag something that like doesn't, um, just it, sometimes it, it doesn't make logical sense or it's too hard to shoot. Too hard to shoot is the easiest one for them because then it doesn't feel like a, a criticism. Yeah. Um, but for example, I just did a show where I, I felt like the ending would be more fulfilling if there's a beat right before it where the, the lead character is super happy. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think if she's happy here, then there's no tension that she's not going to win in this final scene. If we adjust that, then I think you'll really feel the big win at the end. And the showrunner was wonderful and just was like oh that's such a good idea thank you so much you're right let me let me make the changes tonight you have to really feel your way because sometimes you just know like i i just can tell that person won't be receptive right. <laughs> and right you can in the nicest way possible like I just want to throw something out if you don't love it it's okay and but you kind of know but i feel like they're not gonna love it and then you right. just stop <laughs> like because you know, it, it can it can really turn people against you if you constantly are I have this, I have this, when they're not the kind of person that 
right. that loves working that way. Now, how did how does that work for you when it's a feature and you get a script and you're like taking a look at uh, things you might want to, you know? Well, that explore. I think you can go ham on. That right. I think they want you to. <laughs> And uh-huh. for two reasons, like for one, I think they want to hear what you what your vision is when you come in the room. And for two, you have to make sure it will be a movie you want to make. And right. so if if stuff if stuff isn't right on the page and you don't like it, you should say that to make sure they agree. And you're not in a job where you're like, oh, <laughs> right. I don't like this, you know. Um, but but I do come in a lot of time and I actually like scripts that need a lot of work but Mm. there's but the core idea and the characters I love because then I I find my way in easier and it's like oh it's like a puzzle like oh well the second act they lose attention here there's not as much adversity here this character is here for no reason they can combine them here you know and, and doing that helps me to become a part of the script right 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 so so how how did how did things change? Because the first film was with this ring, and then the second was the tenth date. And I shadowed you uh, back in 2017 on Grey's Anatomy, and I watched both of those films uh, in preparation of shadowing <laughs> you. Um, and I'll come back and talk about the things I learned while shadowing you. Uh, but how did how did it differ? Uh, how did Tall Girl come together? You know, because that wasn't something that you um, self-generated, quote unquote, like, um, how did that come together? And what was that process like? That is something that we all know very well, which is recommendations and how mm-hmm. the work you did on your last job follows you. Mm-hmm. And I had done a pilot for Disney and one of the executives on tall girl used to work at Disney and called and asked, if there's a, you know, cause it's a high school movie. Is there any directors that have worked with young people that you've liked lately? And they were like, we love this director. We just did a pilot with, they recommended the meeting and the meeting just went really well. It was the same thing. I came in with my notes, came in with my references. Like, this is what it's going to look like. Hopefully they like it because that's the movie I want to make. Right. And they did. And it all worked out. Um, and it's something that like, I can see, I can see how much I've grown as a director. And mm. even since, weirdly, I feel like it was after Tall Girl, like going through the trenches, armed with just enough knowledge from all of the episodic work I had accumulated, the two features, after that is when it all sank in, not so much in it. And it just all started coming together in a way that I felt like, I had an evolutionary leap mm. by the time Little Fires happened. That mm. just was like, I it all. I get it now. I get what like my, felt my like, role like is. You could harness it, like like you could like you were in complete command of the director's toolkit. Toolkit, and also I really got it's my movie, and mm. I think even on the even on Tall Girl, I didn't really really get it. There definitely were things that like I fought for and I had a great experience. I had a really great executive at Netflix who was a friend, you know, like, so I, I had a good transitional period with somebody like that who was so supportive. Right. But it, I still think there were things that like, there were certain department heads that the, the 
studio was like, well, you haven't done a feature, so we need to hire these people. But mm-hmm. I didn't fight hard enough. Mm-hmm. And there's a way to fight smartly and to just be like, here's why this is important to me. Or I just felt like it's, it was almost like episodic still. Like it's their movie, it's their DP, it's their show, it's their, you know, after that, I always do a like, what did I like about my work? What did I not yeah. like about my work? The biggest things I didn't like were the places where I just didn't fully step in and take control, not in a asshole way, just mm-hmm. in a, it's my vision. I know what I need to accomplish it. I need right. these things and I need to do this. Um, whereas even in Little Fires, being a part of an episodic, the the first episode I had, the flashback was almost like a pilot because different actors, different sets, yeah. different time period. But I went into that meeting with like references. Here's what I want it to look like. It's different than the look of the rest of the show. Are you okay with that? Here's what I'd like the framing to be a little, the composition to be a little different. Mm-hmm. They signed off, thankfully. But I started to think even in episodic, everything is your movie. Like, right. don't just think like, this is the script I got. I don't, I can't do anything to it except direct it. Right. You can question things in a supportive way. You, I mean, your job is to make it the best it can be. And sometimes that means, well, I think that this, this line is a little too much. So let's, can we mm-hmm. cut this? And this doesn't really make sense to me. Can we get rid of this? Like, it's helpful to the showrunner to bring that stuff up. It sounds like that's, it's, it's dope to hear because that's the evolution, right? Like you get in the beginning, you're kind of happy to be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> And then you're I'm like, direct this the best I can within yeah, their within yeah. their framework, and like I'll try like a little sprinkle of something, but <laughs> not enough that it can't be what they normally want it to be. And then you start like saying, "This is about to be your scene." Like that's what you get, you know. And yeah. never out of making your own reel, but because yeah. you know how to use a camera and elicit an emotion. When, when you mentioned the Little Fires meeting um, and your episodes were great, mm-hmm. as always. Yeah, I, I, I'm, it sounds like you had the script before you got hired. And that sounds different from... Uh, yeah. That, like, was that, that sounds unique to premium cable or streaming, right? Um, was that something that you chose to do uh, being a thorough... Uh, director or did you think that that was was that required of you like how did you come into that meeting with with these references for that um it wasn't required I think they were surprised um when I when I came with all that stuff but um I mean they were like come prepared to talk about your vision for the script and because this is that first episode particularly is a standalone um And I, I think the best way to have that conversation is with images. And I, I also, again, really wanted to make sure they liked the ideas and were, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I wasn't gonna show up and do something, like talk a good game. And then what I do, they were like, this looks nothing like our show. <laughs> like, right. you know, right. it's like strategically, this doesn't look like your show because they're in such different places. Right. And then at the very end, we'll work it into the show you have now. Like we'll build to that in the last five minutes. Right. 
Um, and they were wonderful. And I want to go back just because I said that thing about like trying new things and really owning each script. I am conscientious enough to know that it's if it's too different. Like there was an episode of For the People that I'd done. It was episode four in the first season. So mm -hmm. they'd done the pilot. They'd done the second episode. Like I think they might have had to redo some stuff in the third one. But it was a very new show. But they had already set a look. And right. so... I felt like, you know, the producing director was wonderful. I was like, we wanted you early because you come from music videos. We want to like spice it up. Yeah. And so I was like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I had this idea of, of basically a whole new compositional style for the whole show that I did. But I, I said to the showrunner, here's what I want to do. Here's some examples of this composition. I think it's very different from the show you've done so far. So what I'll do is I will always give you a take that's safe. And that mm -hmm. is just a normal over <laughs> or like mm -hmm. a, a normal master. So that if you think it's going too far in the edit, you can do whatever you want to. Or if you like it just a little bit to spice it up and right. don't want to go as full as I'm going, like you have that option. So it's not just like, do my thing like I'm still very conscientious right. they've already built something like if I want to do something that different really make sure one of those masters one of those overs is like mm -hmm. the style that they've been doing them in you're getting buy-in which is great so then there's never that moment of like whoa what are we looking at yeah. And then that helps, that seems, I guess, to help your authority when you're on set, right? No one's popping up saying, wait, what is this? Uh, which yeah. then can like have people pulling the threads and be like, oh, when, when she comes up to me, I don't know if it's a, a real note or I don't know yeah. if it, you know, like there's all these, uh, it's such a, the psychology of the job does not get enough, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, devoted time. Um, so I've mentioned before we hopped on about talking about branding yourself as a director, um, because you've gone from, uh, doing plays at 10 <laughs> to music videos <laughs> to, uh, uh, feature writer, director to episodic television to, um, guest directing and now producing mm -hmm. director, correct? I don't know if that's mm -hmm. something that we'll yes. share in detail, <laughs> but, um, and so it, with every pivot, it's like, I equate it to like graduating high school, you're the man, you're the woman, and then you go somewhere and you're a freshman, right? And so like, how do you, how did you navigate that? How did you brand yourself? Um, what was your approach to uh, helping people redefine the way that they viewed you as a creative person. This is my weak spot. I mean, mm -hmm. I talked to a friend of mine lately. She does marketing, but like marketing for like T-Mobile, not film or, you know. And she was like, you got to stop. Your Instagram is like the cat and things you ate. <laughs> and I'm like, that's all I like. <laughs> it's the cat and things I ate. It's just like, you've got to start showing more pictures of you on set. Like when we were in Canada, I think I might've posted in 60 days of shooting one picture of me on set. Like it, and she was like, you've got to start branding yourself and letting people, and I was like, people know I direct. And she was like, but you, again, like 
put yourself out there as really, but it, that's hard for me. So I think it has to be, um, it has to be more conscious on my part because I think in the past it was like the work speaks for itself, which I still believe, but I do see now the value in terms of doing the kind of work that you want or a space that you, you don't yet inhabit because people tend to hire you for a thing you've already done. But if it's a, a new kind of film or genre that you want to take on, it is good that people know you. Um, and when you start to get busy and can't do as much meetings, it's good if it, there's a narrative out there about you where they feel like they know you and can just send you something. Mm -hmm. um, I, but I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> and so I think a lot of it is relaying it to your team. Like I want to be put out there for this. But I, I think when you're not great at branding, you have to do those generals and take them very seriously. You have to come into meetings. Generals, I hate. And that's why I say you have to do them. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. <laughs> because I am shy. And it's very, it feels a little like I'm a tap dancing monkey. <laughs> but right. Right. With a water bottle in your hand. <laughs> right. Specifics, I love. And I do tell my agents, even if, it's, if you think it's something I can't get yet send me on that meeting because that's where I shine. When I get to talk specifically about the material, then it's, I will be remembered in the future. Right. Well, it's interesting. I mean, there's, what you're saying is so true. Like your, your brand is what you do, right? Because if it's, if it's, if you're putting something out there, that's not true. It doesn't matter how, how much you brand mm -hmm. yourself. People are going to be like, yo, I met her and nah, it ain't the, it ain't the business, you know, but <laughs> It's getting out there. You've worked as it, you've returned to so many places, and you've worked at so many places where, like, people can look at the fact that you work there, and it's almost like, you know, the stamp and the endorsement. But I will say again to the idea of it is the work at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. and the branding will get you to a certain level. I'm not disputing that at all. It can definitely get you in the door, and if if you're great at it, you should mm -hmm. go whole hog. Right. Um, but like, for example, moving into this producing director space, it was just it was just the work. I didn't know Hello Sunshine or have a relationship mm -hmm. with them before Little Fires. Mm -hmm. And then this project came up and they were like, well, her episode, her first episode of Little Fires was basically a pilot. We know she can build something from the ground up. Let's meet with her and see what she has to say. And you know, we had a great meeting and then I was given the job, but it was, they, and they specifically said, it's because we know we can trust you. Hmm. Even though I hadn't done that job before because they were so happy with the work from right. before. So it, again, it, it does tend to be, it right. always goes back to the work. So it feels like we're having like a split, like a two level conversation. There's like, there's the, the branding of just being consistent and clear and, and passionate and able to execute on all of those things. And then there is the other part of it that some people um, do truthfully or uh, pompously <laughs> to promote what they do and funnel it out to as many people as possible. Um, I think that what you're doing in the meetings is the ultimate branding, you know? Like it's, I, I think of, uh, and for those who don't know, like the general meetings are like when you go around and you just have to, you're like, all right, I'm going to meet the <laughs> development people at Sony and 
we'll see what happens. You know, there's no agenda um, except uh, really, I guess what I kind of discovered is like, kind of like what you're, what you're talking about. Like I, I try and make my own agenda, which is, oh, all right, well, what did they, what did they have that I like? Okay. It'll be a general for a few minutes and then I'm going to push it toward the things or thing that they have that I am interested in. So I can at least give them something valuable to take away from me other than like, I grew up in New Jersey and I, you know, I own a super eight camera, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so can you talk about the project specifically um, that you're producer directing or producing director? I can talk on, about or? it in a loose way. I think they're coming out with an announcement in the next two weeks. Um, I can say it's with Hello Sunshine. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. It is in two countries, it's in Los Angeles and it's in Italy. It is a breathtaking project. And I feel like it's one of my favorite things ever, ever, ever. <laughs> like, wow. Because I mean, even because there's some music videos that are on par for me with the experience with some of the episodic work or the feature work that I've done that I love. It's up there with that. It's because I, it really is almost like a, it deals with grief. And it's, mm. and it's almost like an instructional manual of how you deal with grief mm. and, and how much beauty is a part of life and living your life as, you know, as fully as you possibly can. But A, it's absolutely beautiful. Like the arc that it takes from one to eight is stunning and they did a beautiful job. But it's also like in this time, I do want to feel like the work we're doing matters and right. something that so beautifully shows it's I shouldn't even say it's about grief it is about how you get through grief and like how you wake up that next day and then the day after that and then like man you gotta wake up again like and do mm. this again and I until that until there's that breakthrough to hope again right and I just feel like after this year I mean everybody now knows somebody who has passed from this yes. thing. like it's and it's and it's still a couple more months of this. Like, and it's yeah. just been, it's been hard. Yeah. It, so yes, I'm, ex I'm excited to shoot in Italy. I'm excited of how cinematic this can be. I'm right. super excited to producing direct, even though it's very hard. Like mm -hmm. now I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it takes the time. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, I'm really excited to do it. That's awesome. I, I want to actually ask you more about the difference, but it, that, the nuance of like how you get through grief being different than grief is is something interesting because I had I have a friend who was very intent on saying I don't have cancer I'm battling cancer. That's right. That's you know what right. I mean. And and it's it's a uh, and and it's and all these and it's the the director's job is really in those small little pivots of like of clarity right. It's like. I, I can't stand when people say, um, uh, oh, the, the slaves. It's like, no, they were enslaved. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and, the, and, and these words kind of trigger things. I was reading an article this morning, waking up scrolling, because uh, that's the first thing I do, saying, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't say, if something difficult comes up, don't say, how will I handle this? Say, uh, how will 
Pete handle this? Or how will you you do this? Because because it changes the like sense of wow, that's good. Yes. And and it's tiny, right? Um, So it's interesting, like really finding those pivots and those pockets to um, to exploit for to, to win because most people can see the the surface level of something but like when you can really get underneath it and find the the kind of um the dichotomy of of an emotion in one single moment like that's what that's what makes shit dope <laughs> yeah you know? that was i feel like the best thing i've learned all week though thank mm. you for that like how will Nzinga handle this because then it's not you're holding it inside. It, there's right. already by saying it that way, there's like a slight disassociation from the problem. Like right. it's here and it'll be handled. This this part of me will figure it out. But right. it's not like I'm consumed by it. I love that. Thank you. Right. Hi, I'm Ramla Mohammed, co-executive producer on Little Fires Everywhere. And you're listening to Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman. Transitions, a director's journey and motivational handbook is Pete Chapman's upcoming book from Michael Weezy Productions. What started in 1993 has been a marathon of persistence and creative pivots, transitioning from indie filmmaker to teaching at NYU's acclaimed film school, to running a production company, to directing television and commercials, and ultimately eyeing a return to the feature films that gave him a start. A mixture of how-to, self-help, and inspiration, this book is for any person targeting a successful career in the creative arts. Transitions, a director's journey and motivational handbook is coming soon. So I want to pivot back to when I shadowed you on, I guess that was 1320 uh, of Mm -hmm. Grey's Anatomy. And so at this point, you know, I'm just like a, a fish trying to soak up kind of like what we're talking about, all the little things. Right. So mm-hmm. like um, this is more of like my my um, my scouting report on you. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Quietly confident. Right. Um and this is cool because maybe it's like sometimes we don't know what we give off. We can we yeah. can be we can be quivering inside <laughs> while giving a direction that people like. You know, oh, that was great, um, but quietly confident. Like, and and from that, my I was analyzing the location scouts and then the tech scouts because that's such. There's this one thing on a location scout when you've got in the old days maybe four or five people in the van, and then you do the tech scout. And there are 40 to 50 people listening for like a few words from you that can give them marching orders for so for, for hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I appreciated the kind of that calm confidence and 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 certainty. Um, because also I know like when you're moving through this as a black person, as a woman, there's already going to be certain um things that come with that as far as whether or not people think you can even do this job. And I've yeah. seen I've seen that in how people do the job. And so then it just perpetuates what they've already thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that um, fashion on point, 
<laughs> jumpers, African prints, pouches, um, and hats, all important things, right? Like you have to have a signature look. Um, and uh, just an ease with the with all of the mechanics um, of production, knowing that there's only so much that you can change. Um, in particular, I remember like a, a rehearsal that should have been maybe three minutes turning into an hour and 15 and just and, and just being able to try and provide solutions, but figure out the dance of who really has who's the stakeholder here. So um, those those were things that I that were great for me and watching and then just kind of watching the shot list and the two camera breakdown um, and letting me do the photos uh, and you you probably just wanted to get out of there <laughs> but i you let me shoot the photos for the um latanya richardson oh no i know uh, what you're talking about i thought you meant like on set photos no i i thought it would be great i shadowing because i've done it it's just it's such a pill when you want to jump in <laughs> and i right. felt like this is at least an opportunity to to jump in, like you've seen the world of the set, like mm -hmm. you can do something. So no, I, it's funny what, even hearing you talk about location scouts, I, I know how I do them differently now. Huh. And it's partly you actually hit the nail on the head is as a black woman, especially when back then you feel like I just have to be seen as competent. <laughs> like, and so there's so much nerves about how you're presenting yourself. Mm -hmm. When now I've come to the point, A, I'm, I am more confident, but it's also like, they don't care how I'm presenting myself. Like he mm -hmm. wants to know where are the trucks gonna be parked? <laughs> like, and right. like, where can I put a light? Like, where can I hide the gack? Like, and I wish going back that even when I was shadowing, I just asked questions like, what do the, what do they need out of the location scout? Because mm. I would hear the director talk about like what the scene was and blah, blah, blah. And so that's just what I did. Like I would be like, you know, we're doing this. I'm going to have a walk through here. I'd love for this light to come on. But I didn't ever ask to know what does the crew need out of this tech scout? Like, because right. I'm telling this grand vision I have when they, again, they might just be wondering like how, <laughs> you know, where do you, where can I hide trucks? Like, do I need a silk or no? Yeah, exactly. Like, and so I started thinking in that way and it helped all of us more. Like that does include talking about lighting because mm. then they make sure the thing, or it does include, you know, I plan on starting, you know, with a jib and we'll, you know, carry them over here. I'd love to use steady. Like it just made, oh, you need a jib? We gotta make, but just telling them like what coverage, they don't, that's not so important. <laughs> like, right. But, but there is something to, when you're in that shadowing experience, a lesson that I learned is just ask, like, what do, you know, if you're going to this meeting, what, that, what does that props person need from you? And it's not just like them asking like, okay, a pencil, file folders, I got that. But like, if there's specifics, again, it's your movie. If you feel right. like, I want everything in this room to be blue, get me make sure you have blue file folders blue notebooks blah 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 I mean I've never right. had that but you know what I'm saying like right right make sure you're giving them what they need and not just like wanting to look like you're competent in the job right 
Right. Yeah. That's the, that's the tough part. And even still now it's like every like tone meetings from show to show are so different that there's like, you have to just constantly be malleable to a degree, but be prepared with what your questions are and what your vision is. Um, and so you'll soon be in those tone meetings with other directors. Um, so what is, what are you kind of, I don't know. I, if it if it's easily identifiable in like a quantifiable way, like what are like the top three things you are noticing uh, uh, are maybe different or more challenging in this producing director position um, than when you've been uh, on the other side of it showing up as a as a guest director. The big difference in the beginning is as a guest director, it's like. Um, you come into somebody's home and are going to cook for them. And like, mm -hmm. you want to make the best meal. You want to ask them like, you know, what are your favorite foods? What do you want to avoid? <laughs> like, you know, that that's kind of your job. And like, you do the best with the ingredients they have in their house. Right. Um, Cause you can't bring in another DP. <laughs> like you can't, you know, <laughs> it's what they have in their house you're cooking with. And right. just like, they don't, oh, my husband doesn't eat spicy foods. Well, we don't like handheld. <laughs> Like, right, so right, right. when you're a producing director at the beginning, you are the architect of the house. And so, and you are stocking the fridge, but you're also building the house. Like every head of department is somebody you have hired or approved. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of time where you're just watching reels and you're going through resumes, you're interviewing people, which is more the producer side of it, that you're not, you're not getting to spend that time doing script analysis or thinking mm -hmm. about your shots or there'll be time for that, hopefully. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's a lot of work before you can even get to that phase of building the house and making sure you have the right team around you to hold that house up. And you're thinking in the right way so that when you're not directing the episode, it's a, a personality, you know, like they can kind of work with anybody. Like it'll, it'll still keep going in a good direction if I'm not doing that episode. But you're also thinking about the other director's episodes. You gotta read your scripts, you gotta read their scripts because if things come up like, oh, we don't have enough stage space or the budget or those meetings you'll now be in helping mm -hmm. to creatively brainstorm how to make it work. So you're, you're just thinking about a lot of things at once. So does it, like, are you, uh, I, I around a table or in a Zoom meeting, everyone's, you know, trying to figure out whatever aspect of, of the show logistically, and then certain topics come up and they're like, they look to you because it's like, well, what do we need for stages or how many locations? Like you're, you're constantly using your creative hat as a director to produce the overall yes. show. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they will send me things like, you know, breakdowns and be like, which ones do you think we should, which sets do you think we should build? Which ones mm -hmm. do you think should be location? Which one can we do and cheat Italy mm -hmm. for whatever? And which, you know, and so we don't, I, I've never really had to do that in episodic. Like, what set should we build? <laughs> like, right, the right. sets are built. Um, there might be like a swing set and they, and they tell you going into it, we're going to build this one. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been, uh, it's been like very interesting making those decisions and thinking about budget. And then other times saying like, I know this might cost us a little more, 
Mm-hmm. I will work with you to find ways to trim the budget someplace else. But I do think you want to do this on location, or I do think you right. want to do this in X, Y, Z in a way that you do have more agency, but you, you do have to think about the budget and you have to think about like that budget has to be, you know, spread across eight episodes. You can't hog it all like right. in the pilot, right. like the show is, the show doesn't work you know, because the rest of the episodes weren't set up well, mm-hmm. that's your fault. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's, you've got to be responsible for those other things too. And you are also, I assume, informing, you know, script changes. I think that this might be tough to execute. Uh, I have a suggestion on how we keep the integrity of these moments, but maybe at another, you know, like, yeah, it's I think we can collapse these scenes into this. I think this maybe we can instead of making this happen in five locations let's see if we can make it happen in two locations that is happening although i will say the good thing is that quarantine gave us because it was supposed to shoot last year right is that all of the scripts are done and they're Mm. great and they've been thought through and picked apart and revisited so that they're there's not a lot of that that i have to do that's it literally might be like, oh, can we instead of doing three rooms like this, just make it one like it's it's more that because right. they're they're tight scripts now, which is hard so, and episodic because they've got to always be writing and delivering so fast. Right, right, know? right. No, that's that's great. It's like all of your talents are being pulled together to do this thing, um, and it's a story that you care about. So that's that's uh, yeah. that's the dream right there. It is so creatively fulfilling. I will yeah. say it's yeah. something that I never thought I would do. I often like, I would see it being done and be like, mm, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like right. just cause it's like your work day are your work days are long as a director. <laughs> like right. when you're not worrying about every department for every episode, it's, and I'm definitely going to be very, um, available to the directors and set them up with here's the tone here's how these people like to work but really let them direct and not Mm -hmm. because you just can't do all that stuff at the same time but i but i've seen it before and thought like i don't my brain isn't organized enough to to pull that off but somehow on this one i think because i love it so much it's fun you know in the in the um Maybe I can go two for two with a with another good quote in this episode. But in my, I used to analyze a lot of business books and magazines, like in all the time I was raising money and trying to build my production company. And there was another one thing that stood out to me. It was like, if you ever have to fire someone, it's actually your fault because you didn't hire correctly. And that stuck with me. Because when I went through times where I had like, man, that didn't work out. I was like, well, that person wasn't really ready to edit something like this. But I was just happy to have an editor. And yeah, of course it didn't work out. They were never going to be able to do it. And that was like on me to be able to discern that and defend defend it, you know? Um, so that's I literally amazing. just, my heart stopped. I was like, did I just hire the wrong person in the <laughs> department? And then I, I caught myself and I was like, no, I've worked with them twice before. They did a great job. It's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, but not, that's awesome. I'll be, I'll be calling you for advice. Cause I, I have a, I have something that's supposed to, you know, 
premium cable network wants to do with this pilot. Um, script has to be delivered to decide if it moves forward. But it's the first time where the writer was like, yeah, so think about actors you like and crew. I was like, oh shit, that's right. You know, and like all those relationships that you that you've built, you get to use. And yeah. uh, before the lightning round too, there was one thing, it's more a commentary, but like, I feel like the beauty of doing all the episodes that you've done and, and across so many different types of shows is like, you get this real understanding of like how to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I, like I've done so many different types of comedies that like I now have a much better understanding of the architecture of a joke, you know? And so I can identify when it's, when it, what might be missing in it. Mm -hmm. um, if it's, you know, in a tone that I can verse it in but it's like then when you take that and you go and do something where now you have a little bit more control it's like you're, you're off to the races because you've you've finessed everything so that's that's mm -hmm. dope um so here here's the lightning round um <laughs> if they I, I you know i've yet to really have a full slate of lightning a bowl responses it might might not be a lightning response but uh <laughs> here is i have three questions for you okay so the first one is if you had the keys to the castle and could change anything about the business or about being a director what would it be that is a great question This is a small thing. This is not that big of a small micro, but so much of our prep is so that other departments have their questions answered. And I feel like the, the work would be better and the work would be more fulfilling if there's just a couple of days carved into that schedule really after the questions are answered or maybe before but it's carved into the schedule that that's your work time on the script that like you can do proper script analysis you can, not even outside of your shot listing just you can properly live with the script and then and let it seat sink into your subconscious and then start shot listing and then answer questions but it just feels like i mean we barely have enough time as it is and if you added another day of prep or another couple days of prep, they would just take it up with more meetings. <laughs> but that, I think it would, I mean, I heard that Wes Anderson likes to work that way, that he does everything in preps, but like always reserves two weeks to just think. And mm -hmm. that is so good. Like just think about the script and not be busying yourself and shot listing and prepping and answering this question. You're just thinking about it. Right, right. Agreed. Um, what what three traits do you think someone needs to make it in this industry? Whether whatever director, actor, cinematographer, uh, executive, you know, um, thick skin. And and I say that because you just can't take things personally. Like if you don't get a gig, who knows why? <laughs> like it's doesn't matter. It wasn't for you. Um, if if an actor had a fight with their wife this morning and comes in and screams at you, mm -hmm. it's not even my business. I don't know. You know, and, and I think in the beginning, I was very like, I hope people like me. I hope the showrunner likes me. 
I started to adapt an attitude of it's that's none of my business. That's manipulating to to try to get them to like me. It just is none of my business. That's they get to feel however they want about me. Right. And then people love you. <laughs> There's no pressure. It's just easy. I'm just right. here to do the best I can for your show. Um, so I would say that ability to not take things personally. Um and vision and not mm-hmm. coming in. I I have seen. Sometimes episodic directors, they work so often that it's like, I'm just doing what's scripted. I'm not thinking about what's not on the page that I can bring to this or that I can mm. do to, what's my vision for this episode? Right. It's just like, I just got to get this. I got to get this. I, you know, what's on the page? I think the same thing with creative executives that like having a strong vision, but being willing to adapt. Mm-hmm is important with DPs. Sometimes I'll have meetings and they'll say, um, I'm just here to serve your vision. At first that was fun. Now it's like, but what's your vision? Like, let's talk and then we can find something. Maybe mine wins. Right. I mean, probably will because I love this idea. But like, I want you to have a strong sense of of ownership too. And like, we're really all in this and have a vision for this. Right. Um, Three. I don't know what the third one. I mean, it's something to do with maximizing your physical health. And I don't know how to put that in a one word. I always take advantage of that hour of lunch to take a nap. Um, Mm -hmm. I have heard directors be like, no, you got to eat with the crew and let them know you're one of them. They take naps too. Like, and right. their cars too. Like, right. I think it's so important to take care of your physical health um, in a job like this where just right. you can run yourself down. That's a point that a lot of folks don't consider. And you, your mind is on overdrive because you don't have those two weeks, right? The, the, the time that you would have to just ponder, you know, and, and think more deeply about things or the inspiration that comes from, you know, walking down the block, like now that's happening all day long yeah. while you're shooting and you need to kind of decompress in some fashion. And with yeah, COVID, this, the very stress of this job can make you sick yeah. and, and can make you vulnerable to sickness. I mean, even now the COVID hours are shorter because they know your immune system is compromised when you're not getting enough rest. Right. Like that's a huge thing to take care of. And like, I have really gotten it now. Yeah. <laughs> like you've got to, if nothing else, if you're like, where can I start? How can I tell the universe I'm ready? Start getting in shape, start getting your body ready right. for really long days. And which is, I hated, hated. I think when you were shattering me, like you were talking about exercise and I was like, ew, get that conversation <laughs> away from me. Because um, I hate it so much. And now I get it. Like you have to, you have to right. get your body in a place where it can rest at night. You and get you need those endorphins and to get rid of stress. Water. Like you have to. Yeah. I'm it's, forcing myself now. The new thing too um, with COVID is just like, I, I, I was joking yesterday, but it's all truth. I just find myself, because you're not eating on set, what happens is I go out, I slam a bottle of water, like the whole shit, you know what I mean? Like in like mm-hmm. a gulp. And then it's like, oh, okay, let me get that kale salad, gone. 
because I got to get back on and there's just no time to even do the minor things, you know, and, and, and that must have a byproduct as well. You know what I mean? Everything has a byproduct. Um, so um, these are great answers. Oh, third question. Um, and I got this from uh, the All the Smoke podcast that I'm a big fan of. Um, Steven Jackson always asks, who should be our next guest? Hmm. Have you talked to Nicole Rubio yet? I have not. We just followed each other on, on um, Grey's Anatomy and actually Million Little Things. We were back to back. So we did our like, yo, you know, blah, 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 yo, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but I have not uh, had her on the show. I'm such a fan. Word. I feel like her somehow she always gets the hard episode. I'm so happy. Like she'll, again, when I was going through the Shondaland rotation, she would come in like right before, right after me, but her episode would be like cars underwater and there's struggling. And I'd be like, yay, I get people are talking in the white house. Right, 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 right. So, but she always handles these really tough situations flawlessly and just is so calm and cool and wonderful maybe even Lindsay Cohen, like the insight script supervisors have. Yeah. Like in this hiring process and talking to directors, I always check with Lindsay and be like, have they worked on Grays? And she'll be uh, like, yes, they're not ready. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Or yes, they, they were great. The actors mm -hmm. love them, but like the script supervisor sees everything and they're hearing right. it from the writers and the producers and the directors and the actors. I think they they are, a great resource as well. Dope. Well, those are two viable, dope <laughs> guests that I can reach out to. So I appreciate that. Um, I just want to thank you again, Nzinga, for joining the pod and sharing your story and journey and thoughts and all that good stuff. Um, and definitely look forward to it. This was so day. good. Thank you <laughs> so much. What's up, people? This is Pete Chapman. Follow me on Instagram and on Twitter via at Pete Chapman. Follow the pod on Facebook on our Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman official page and hit up our mailbag with questions, suggestions, or hey, donations if you're feeling like it via Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman at gmail.com. And just in case you need to know how to spell it, that's Pete with the last name C-H-A-T-M-O-N. All right, that was episode 23 with Zynga Stewart. I hope y'all enjoyed that conversation. If you have any questions, like the uh, promo said, hit us up on email, let's shoot with Pete Chapman at gmail.com or hop on those socials at Pete Chapman at let's shoot with Pete Chapman and hit us with questions. We're gonna get into that mailbag um, more and more and more. And I hope you'll tune in next week for episode 24. The guest is, I don't know, but it will be here Wednesday. And, uh, you know, maybe if we get some flooding in of uh, questions, I'll make it a Q&A show. But um, tune in next week, y'all. In the meantime, stay safe, spread love, and keep creating.